today on The One Upbeat. continue our journey through 1996 by covering the launch of the Nintendo 64, Nintendo's first 3D console. You'll hear music from Koji Kondo, Kenta Nagata, and more. Welcome back to the One Upbeat. My name is Eric Silver. Let's get started. So as we did in part one, we're going to go in date order. With two launch titles in North America, this would put us in the situation of having a tie in our hands. But let's be honest, there's one game you think of so prominently over the other, a game that revolutionized gaming in such a profound way that it's hard now to put yourself in the context of the time to remember what a big deal it was. I'm, of course, talking about... Saikyo Habushogi. No, I'm just kidding. It's Super Mario 64. Mario 64 had to change the gaming landscape and succeeded in just about every single way. It's a monumental achievement, and though there are many 3D games before it, even on Nintendo's own Super Nintendo console, Mario 64 was the true coming out party for 3D games. The Nintendo 64 launched on June 23, 1996 in Japan, and Mario 64 with it. To this day, Super Mario 64 is considered one of the greatest games of all time. Imagine that for one of the first major 3D games. Most developers still can't figure out how to make a good 3D game, and Nintendo mastered it on their first try. There's so much to say about Super Mario 64, the game that we could, and probably should, devote an entire episode to it, so let's focus on what we're supposed to be good at here. A major star of the show is Nintendo's most famous composer, Koji Kondo. I know people will say guys like Uematsu or others are, but it really is Kondo who is the John Williams of game music. The level of memorability of his musical themes transcends gaming, and he's still writing fantastic music to this day. When you're writing music for the most recent 3D Mario game and your tracks are the best ones on the soundtrack, you're more than just a great composer. You're on another level. There are more than one Mario themes introduced in Super Mario 64, including the Bob on Battlefield theme, Slider, Peach's Castle, and the Wing Cap variation of the Star theme. Every single piece on this soundtrack is good, everyone is memorable, and there is so much diversity in style. Each world has its own color, flavor, or whatever you'll call it. Again, one can go on for hours about Super Mario 64. It's still a game I think about all the time, and the profound effect it had on me as a gamer can't be underestimated. So why not just let the music do the talking? We're going to visit with our friends at Jagbo again. There's no shortage of performances of Super Mario 64 music, but I'm sure not as many people have heard the Jagmo arrangements of music. This was paired with music from Super Mario World. There's a nice cut where the Mario 64 section begins. It does a great job blending the more well-known melodies from the game. You might hear a tiny bit of Mario World sneak in there near the end, but don't worry, it's worth it. Here's music from the legendary Super Mario 64, composed by Koji Kondo, performed by the Japan Game Music Orchestra.
with Mario 64, Pilot Wings 64 also arrived on Nintendo 64 on day one in both the East and the West. Unfortunately, Mario 64 was so good that Pilot Wings often gets overlooked by Nintendo's best plumber. The game is a sequel to 1991's Pilot Wings for Super Nintendo. It's fitting that one of the first games for Nintendo's 3D console, since the SNES Pilot Wings was itself a launch title in the West, and not long after the launch of the Super Famicom in Japan. The original game mimicked 3D graphics with the Super Nintendo's Mode 7 technology. Dan Hess composed the score for the game as a member of Paradigm Entertainment, which helped Nintendo with development on the game. Pilot Wings 64 would be their first video game after gaining Nintendo's attention for developing flight simulator software. They would go on to do other video games until being closed in 2008, including the cult hit Beetle Adventure Racing for the Nintendo 64. Hess acknowledges the strong inspiration in the score, being heavily focused on soul, funk, and rhythm and blues as coming from his own personal influences. One of the most popular tunes in the game is the Birdman track. Hess recounts how he came up with it. Quote, One day, I was playing around with various feels and grooves, searching for the Birdman track, when a tune began to form in my head, and I quickly worked it up. Listening to it in its early stages, it sounded like a Barry White soul groove, chilled and kind of sexy, dreamy if you will. I was slap happy by the time, just creating for the sake of creating. At one point I threw it up on the speakers for Mike to hear with a smile and we both got a kick out of it. At that very moment, Wadasan happened to be walking down the hall just outside of Mike's office. He stood in the doorway and listened for a moment, a grin growing on his face and began jumping up and down and flapping his arms. Birdman? I asked and his head nodded excitedly. I spent the next hour or so adding in various solos to the piece, which was actually kind of tongue-in-cheek, some complete with applause breaks. After some melody tweaks, the tune felt right, and I was finally past the Birdman track." End quote. This is music for the Nintendo 64 launch title, Pilot Wings 64, with music by Dan Hess.
Two days before the North American launch of the Nintendo 64, September 27, 1996, Nintendo released another showcase title for the console. Wave Race 64 was a sequel to 1992's Wave Race on Game Boy. Whereas the Game Boy game was an overhead perspective racer, and the 64 version was a more traditional behind-the-character 3D game. Wave Race 64 is notable for its fantastic water physics. It was a really important showcase for how 3D could enhance gameplay and not just look pretty. As your vehicle bounced off the waves going back and forth during a race, it felt realistic as opposed to just bopping straight up and down. The game is also notable for having a great soundtrack by famed Nintendo composer Kazumi Totaka. Well known for his catchy and memorable music, he wrote about 40 minutes of music for the game. Another upbeat score, but different than Pilot Wings, where Pilot Wings is more funk, Wave Races that sort of progressive rock style, using the N64 sound abilities, of course. It works great, and it's, it is great. I feel like it's easy to compare the two games by more than just the music. They're both on the more realistic side, about driving or piloting vehicles, and used to be an early tech demonstration for how 3D enhances the gameplay of genres like this. They also have great style. You've heard this already in Pilot Wings, and now you'll hear it in Wave Race. Here are selections from Wave Race 64 with music by Kazumi Totaka.
APM Music offers limitless potential for your creative content. No matter the genre or mood, all the music you need is on one platform. And you don't have to worry about licensing. APM's got that covered. Need help finding the perfect track? APM's dedicated music directors can deliver curated options designed specifically for your creative vision. APM's website uses best-in-class search technology, so finding the perfect track is easier than ever. Find your sound at apmmusic.com. Killer Instinct Gold was released November 25, 1996 in the United States as the first title developed by famed UK developer Rare. As most of you know, Rare would go on to produce its most beloved and legendary games during the Nintendo 64 era. Most of their titles would in many ways surpass Nintendo's in-house games in more ways than one. Killer Instinct Gold is an enhanced port of Killer Instinct 2, with added modes and other adjustments from the arcade version. Along with the other features from Killer Instinct 2 is the awesome soundtrack by Rare composer Robin Beanland. I'm not sure if we've been able to cover Beanland on the show in any real way yet, which is a shame because he's an all-time great. Besides Killer Instinct, he's best known for the Conquer series, Jet Force Gemini, and Sea of Thieves. He's one of the original guys during the golden age of Rare in the 90s, having started with the company in 1994 or so, and one of the very few people still at the company today from that era. Killer Instinct takes some very obvious cues from Mortal Kombat, but there's something more upbeat and fun here, and I think you'll hear it in the music too. It's still a pretty violent game and a fighting game, but you'll hear what I mean when we play selections from Killer Instinct Gold with music by Robin Beanland.
Ha, 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 ha.
1996, Lucasfilm was pushing the Shadows of the Empire brand to gauge interest in Star Wars leading up to the special editions and eventually new movies. A major part of it was a video game for the Nintendo 64. The game put you in the role of Dash Rendar, a Han Solo stand-in while he was stuck in Carbonite, as the story unfolded that would lead into the events of Return of the Jedi. It overlapped a bit with The Empire Strikes Back, as Star Wars fans could for the first time participate in a fairly realistic playthrough of the Battle of Hoth, using tow cables to take down Adat walkers and more. In addition to the game, there was a book, comic books, toys, and a soundtrack. Tracks from the soundtrack were used in the video game, and because of the ramping up of excitement in Star Wars that was happening again at the time, lots of people played this game. This gave the score way more exposure to the general public than it normally would have gotten on its own. The game's a little rough around the edges by today's standards, but it was wildly impressive at the time, with the orchestral music in-game, a great story, a good variety of gameplay, and one of the coolest cheat codes in any game. Look that one up. After his work with Lucas and Friends on the Young Indiana Jones Chronicles, composer Joel McNeely wrote the music for Shadows. It was a very quick turnaround time, and the more you listen to it, and depending on how well you know classical music, you can hear a lot of... influences. Regardless, it's a great score. One of the best highlights is the epic battle music that plays in the final level, the Skyhook. In that final level, you're tasked with de destroying Prince Shizor's Skyhook, the Falling's Fist. It's done in a very similar way to the Death Star Assault from Return of the Jedi, where you have to beat back the defenses and then fly into the structure to take out the core. The epic nature is accompanied by such an awesome piece of music, most of which you don't get to hear in the game due to obvious space restrictions, but we're going to play it here now for you. Here's the destruction of Shizor's palace from Shadows of the Empire, with music composed, mostly, by Joel McNeely.
another huge Nintendo-developed Nintendo 64 game just barely snuck in before the end of 1996 in Japan, specifically on December 14th. You had to wait until February if you were in the U.S. and June if you were in the European or Australian territories. Mario Kart 64 was the first 3D game in the series, but just barely. It did this weird thing where it still used pre-rendered sprites for all the characters and most of the objects. The addition of 3D did allow for ramps and slopes, bridges and underpasses, and it just looked way better than the Mode 7 graphics on Super Nintendo. The game also had a killer soundtrack by Nintendo sound veteran Kenta Nagata. I'm pretty sure this is his first soundtrack for Nintendo. Tons of memorable pieces, upbeat, exciting. Mario Kart 64 is secondary to Super Mario 64 in terms of impact, memorability, etc., but you could be one of the best games of all time and still be secondary to Mario 64, as you know by my gushing over it earlier. There's a great cover of Mario Kart 64 music by a group out of New York City called the 8-Bit Big Band. They're more or less what they sound like, big band arrangements of video game music. The arrangements are very unique in style, usually mimicking popular big band tunes or famous styles. So we'll play this great medley of music for Mario Kart 64 and leave this episode there. Next time, you can come back as we cover other favorites from 1996 that aren't new series or part of the Nintendo 64 launch period. Until then, please enjoy music from Mario Kart 64, composed by Kenta Nagata.
Thank you for tuning in to the Cinematic Sound Radio Network. I want to thank Tim Burton for providing his voice for all the bumpers and stingers you hear throughout the show, and to David Casina for providing Cinematic Sound Radio's intro music. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, please email us at cinematicsound at yahoo.com. You can find us on social media at Sound Radio on Twitter, at Cinematic Sound on Facebook, and from wherever you're listening to us today, please leave us a five-star rating and a positive review. Reviews help introduce potential new listeners to the show. While you're at it, head over to TeePublic to find yourself a Cinematic Sound Radio t-shirt and support us on Patreon by going to patreon.com slash cinematicsoundradio. And don't forget to check out Cinematic Sound Radio at cinematicsound.net. <laughs>